Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today, we are talking about how is Pilates different than heavy weightlifting and how do the two affect your body? And I'm sure you've heard one of these two things, kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum. So number one, you might have heard a lot of health experts lately basically saying that you have to lift heavy or you aren't going to be healthy for the rest of your life. And then on the opposite side, there's the more like health and wellness people that are saying, no, heavyweights bulk you. Pilates is what will tone you. And of course, these are extremes. There are people in the gray, people in the middle, but it can get confusing as a consumer. What is really true? And what do I need to do to stay healthy, to reach my fitness goals, and to feel good doing it? I feel like I do see these two extremes in the fitness world, especially on social media. And unfortunately, on social media, you end up seeing what is the most extreme. Like the extreme stuff is what goes viral. So again, I'm not putting blanket statements around anyone that does Pilates or anyone that heavy lifts. So I'm just going to say that now and not repeat that again throughout the rest of the episode because there's a lot of nuance. But I think a lot of the research-based like trainers and coaches are preaching that you have to lift heavy. You have to do box jumps. You have to sprint up hills. And if you don't, you are going to lose all your muscle and you are going to be unhealthy until old age. You won't be able to improve your body composition, things like that. And this camp of people generally has some pretty solid research to point to. But this advice is often discouraging for many people, at least many people that I've talked to. Maybe they've tried it and they get injured or they're super intimidated by it and they think that there's something wrong with their body and they feel hopeless and they feel scared of what their future health has in store if they're not able to exercise in that way. And to be honest, the blanket statement of just do heavy compound lifts, just go pick up heavy barbells in the gym, especially without supervision from a trained professional, is just not something that I would recommend for most people. And I don't think many of these experts are necessarily recommending that you just go throw around some barbells without any supervision. But I think that people do get frustrated when they don't get a lot of guidance outside of just go lift heavy things in the gym. So there's that side. And then there's the opposite side, which is kind of like the hormone optimization side of things. This is your lower impact, your Pilates people, minimize stress, um, walk for cardio, don't overexert your body. And this camp generally, in general, has some less solid research to point to, but they do have a lot of anecdotes, whether that be personal anecdotes or based on their experience from the clients that they've worked with, which, by the way, anecdotal experience should not be ignored. We can't discount what is actually working for someone and what feels really good for a real-life human because you can reference research papers until the cows come home, but at the end of the day... If you can't apply the information from a research paper in a practical, realistic, sustainable way, it doesn't really matter. And that's kind of where I want to come in to clear up what's really happening, what the research is saying, and where you can apply the research. And maybe where some of these anecdotes may be coming from, from either side of this spectrum. And what I want to do is help clear up why all of this is happening and give you some practical advice that may be more helpful than just saying, 
just go lift heavy weights and sprint up hills or just walk and do Pilates and that will transform your body. So first, let's start with talking about what the research is saying about exercise and body composition. And a lot of you have heard a lot of what I'm going to say, so stick with me because I do want to talk at the end in a little bit of a different way than I've talked about this topic before. So stick with me, and I think that the repetition in this can be helpful too. But when it comes to body recomposition, losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time, or this kind of quote-unquote toned effect, that's what body recomposition is, is that toning, losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time, how you exercise does matter. However, exercise alone is not what quote unquote tones you. It has to be a combination of building muscle from your workout, having an overall active lifestyle outside of your workout, and being in a slight calorie deficit while keeping your protein high. So because all of those things are needed for body recomposition, there isn't one singular workout that will quote unquote tone you or even lean you out very significantly because getting leaner is primarily the job of your diet. So again, if you're seeing, if you're getting marketed this time of year is very common, like do this toning workout or this workout will sculpt your body and tone you up. All of that is marketing speak and it's not giving you the full picture of what's actually happening because in order to get that quote unquote toned aesthetic, it has to be a combination of how you're eating, what you're eating combined with exercise. And when it comes to the muscle building side of body recomposition, we look to exercise and we also look to having enough protein in your diet. Again, if you are exercising, you could be doing all of the right things in your workouts, but if you're not pairing that with enough protein, your body won't have the necessary building blocks to actually build new lean tissue. So having enough protein is super important, but maintaining and hopefully building or gaining lean mass, muscle mass comes from challenging muscles. And this could look a lot of different ways, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but it's not just any challenge. It's not just about a burn or a shake or a tremble or something feeling hard. You have to take an exercise close to mechanical failure, which means you can't physically perform another rep. Failure means you cannot, no matter how hard you're trying, do another rep because you have, your muscle has failed. (laughs) The research is pretty clear that you don't have to get all the way to muscular failure in each set, but you do need to get close. You need to approach muscular failure maybe three or four reps shy of total failure. And the research is pretty clear at this point that that doesn't need to be super heavy weight and super low reps. There is a variety of rep schemes that will be effective for building muscle, anywhere from about five to 30 reps. So as long as you're doing between that about five and 30 rep range and you're approaching muscular failure, you're getting, you know, three-ish reps shy of not being able to do another rep, you're going to see muscle growth. So again, there's a lot of dogma here, right? It's like you have to do high reps to burn and tone, which isn't true. Or you have to do low reps with really, really heavy weight in order to move the needle at all. Again, which is just not what the research is saying. Now past that 30 rep mark, you're likely not adding enough load to see significant muscle growth, even though that exercise may burn. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And I did a whole episode about this, but that burn is usually a symptom of metabolites that build up in the tissue that cause that sensation, that burning sensation. But no study to date 
has definitively said that this metabolite buildup is what causes muscle growth. So the burn is not necessarily what causes muscle growth, but that doesn't mean the burn isn't correlated with muscle growth, right? You can do an exercise where you're doing 20 reps of something and you're really feeling the burn by the end of those 20 reps. But since you're approaching mechanical failure around that rep scheme, you're going to see muscle growth, but it's not the burn that was causing the muscle growth. It was getting close to mechanical failure that's causing the muscle growth. So if you're doing, let's say, 100 reps of an exercise and searching for the burn, maybe you're doing like side-lying stuff for the hip, like the outer thigh and, and or donkey lifts or whatever for the hip, and you're doing like 100 reps, maybe you do like some side-lying hip circles and then you lay on your back and you do some bridges and then you flip over and you do some donkey lifts, kind of like a Pilates-esque um, flow. If you're doing that accounts to like 100 reps, that burns and feels really challenging, but it might not be moving the needle much when it comes to physically changing the shape and size of the muscle because it's not enough mechanical load. Now, that higher rep range isn't always useless. It can definitely help build endurance and stability and can be a way to keep your body moving in more of a gentle kind of joint-friendly way. And these things may complement your weightlifting days where you are choosing exercises that are getting close to failure and more physically demanding on the muscle. You'll see us sometimes doing these Pilates-type movements, lacing them into classes or even doing separate classes that are more recovery day classes where we're doing some higher rep training and kind of focusing on endurance. And again, it's not that it's useless. It's just understanding that those type of movements exclusively likely aren't going to move the needle much when it comes to body composition or body recomposition because they aren't likely to build significant amounts of lean mass. So does that mean that you need to go on the other side of the spectrum and you need to lift heavy and you have to pick up heavy barbells. This is where a lot of dogma sneaks in and where I want to provide some clarity. Challenging your muscles can look a lot of different ways. And contrary to what a lot of the health experts will tell you, it doesn't necessarily need to be super heavy weights. But at the same time, exclusively doing body weight exercises or bands or using two pound ankle weights may not cut it either. Because it's not about the number on your dumbbell. I think people get so wrapped up in that. It's about the proximity to failure you are taking a movement or an exercise. I'm going to repeat that. It's not about the number on your dumbbell. It's about the proximity to failure you are taking a movement or an exercise. So depending on your fitness level and the exercise you choose, you could do a body weight step up without using the back leg to push off, kind of like how we do. We we hover the back leg. And you could take that exercise a few reps shy of failure in less than 30 reps and see just as much muscle growth in the glutes as if you were to choose, let's say, a heavy barbell squat and take that exercise close to failure within the same rep scheme. But the heavy barbell exercise seems, quote unquote, harder and more intense. So it seems like it would be more effective for building muscle in the glutes, but that's not necessarily true. Because the glutes don't know the number on your dumbbell. They know the force they have to create to move your body. So you could choose either exercise. And as long as you're taking that exercise close to failure, it will be effective for muscle growth. So I think that kind of debunking either ends of these spectrum is these spectrums are really important so that we understand, oh, it's not really about the dumbbell. It's more about the challenge to my muscle. That's what is important. So what about Pilates? 
does Pilates build muscle? Again, muscle's no challenge, not a number on your dumbbell. If someone is newer to resistance training, they might find a bodyweight Pilates exercise very challenging. And they might approach muscular failure in under 30 reps with a Pilates type exercise. And therefore, it might be effective for them for building muscle. And there are some bodyweight exercises like a reverse Nordic curl. We'd call them matrix and Evla, where you're kneeling and you kind of keep your hips straight and you lean your body back. These are very challenging, even for an advanced lifter. And you can add more load to the muscle by leaning back further and further as you, as your body accommodates to that exercise and gets stronger in that exercise. So you can continue to see muscle growth in the quads by choosing that exercise just from using body weight and incrementally going deeper into the range of motion for a really long period of time, no matter if you're a new lifter or a more advanced lifter. But I will say, that not all body exercises are equally effective for certain muscle groups. So you might be limited in certain muscle groups if you're exclusively using light weights for certain lifts or body weight for certain lifts. Glutes and arms are often limited by uh, light weights only. Glutes are kind of like a one that's in the middle because again, you can do step-ups with body weight or you can use a relatively light dumbbell in step-ups. And if you're not pushing off that back leg, there is significant challenge to the glutes in a step-up. But when we're talking about other exercises for the glutes, like Bulgarian split squats, which we love, or B-stance lunges, or glider lunges, or things like that, you do need to add a dumbbell eventually in order to continue to progress in those exercises. And then arm exercises, or upper body specifically, generally needs dumbbells. There's some muscle groups that it's just hard to progressively overload that muscle group with either just light weights or with body weight. So let's take an example, the shoulders. The shoulders are a good example, the lateral deltoid, um, the kind of outside of your shoulder. That muscle is, there aren't really any good body weight exercises that load the lateral deltoid. And this is just because of the orientation of the muscle and how your body moves against gravity. One of the best exercises to load the lateral deltoid is a lateral raise, right? So your arms start at your side and you lift your arms out to the side. That's the movement, the primary movement of your lateral deltoid of your shoulder. And so we want to load it with dumbbells or cables or whatever um, so that that muscle can grow. Now, our favorite exercise for the lateral deltoid is a side-lying lateral raise. You're laying on your side, you're tilted sideways, and then you do that movement from the side. So you start with your arm at your side and you lift your arm up so your hand is in line with your shoulder. And we like to do them from a side-lying position because it loads the deltoid in more of a stretched position. I'm not gonna get into that. It's called early phase loading and it tends to be more comfortable for the joint and a little more beneficial for the muscle. So if you're choosing that exercise, let's say, and you're doing, you're only using like wrist weights and you're doing two pound wrist weights, you might feel like you could do a hundred reps of that exercise. And the reason you stop is because of the discomfort that you feel with the burn or because you're bored, but not because you reached muscular failure. So that exercise might not necessarily be very effective for muscle growth. And again, if you're doing that for months and months and months and years and years and years, you're really not going to see much muscle growth. You might not even be maintaining your muscle mass with that exercise. 
But if you could progressively overload and go up in weight and choose a heavier weight, like even, even a five pound weight, you might be able to do 20 reps, let's say with a five pound weight and get to failure at 22 reps. And that's going to be a lot more effective use of your time, even though it's not that much more weight. So a good rule of thumb to kind of come back to if I've lost you is that is an exercise effective for muscle growth? Well, can you do less than 30 reps of it and get close to mechanical failure? Yes. If you're doing more than 30 reps of it and it's hard and it feels like it's burning, but you're not actually getting close to that mechanical failure point, no, it's not going to be effective for muscle growth, at least not very effective as far as what the research is showing currently. What kind of drives me crazy is that a lot of the heavy weightlifting people will scoff at like a five pound weight or a scoff at a body weight exercise. But again, the muscle doesn't know the number on your dumbbell. It knows the challenge. It knows the load. If you're doing a sideline raise with five pounds or even 10 pounds and you're approaching that muscular failure in less than 30 reps, barring you're eating enough protein, barring you're doing several sets of that per week so that it's getting enough volume, that deltoid is going to grow. So don't let anyone tell you that your five or 10 pound weights aren't doing anything for your body. It depends on the exercise. It depends on your fitness level. It depends on the lift, depends on the challenge to the muscle. So I think that we just need to get away from this kind of black and white thinking with this because it's more nuanced than you have to lift heavy or body weight and light weights is really all you need. So that's building muscle. Can you tell I get a little, <laughs> I get a little revved up about this because it just, again, I think that it's so black and white these days. I mean, it always has been in the fitness world. People get very opinionated about things and it's just not true. Like, and people can come up with very justified reasons why they believe something. And I like to just kind of peel all of that back and look at everything more objectively and say like, okay, but what is the research really saying about this? So hopefully that helped clear some things up for you. That's building muscle. Now I want to get into the aesthetic differences in heavy, in the heavy lifting community and then in the Pilates community and discuss some of this. And again, this isn't stuff that I've discussed in this way before. So if you've tuned out because you knew everything that I just discussed, come back to me. I want to talk about this. I think this stuff is kind of interesting. So first, when it comes to bulky versus lean muscle, that's a total myth. Muscle growth is muscle growth. There's no bulky muscle or lean muscle, long lean muscle. There may be more of it. There may be less of it. And you may have more or less fat on top of it, which might change the shape of your body. But getting long, lean muscles is not possible. Your muscles have fixed attachment points. They have an origin and they have an insertion at the other end of the bone. And by strength training in certain ways, you're not going to elongate those two points. They've got fixed insertion points on the bone. Now, it may look a certain way. It may look longer if there's less fat on top of the muscle, or it may look bulkier if there's more fat on top of the muscle, but the muscle itself is not what changes depending on the type of movement that you choose. It's not true that heavyweights will give you a bulky, bulky aesthetic always, and that Pilates will always give you that long and lean aesthetic. However, you may have heard anecdotes from friends or influencers, or maybe you've experienced this yourself where you've changed from maybe an intense type of workout to more gentle type of workout and your body shape changed in maybe what you viewed in a favorable, favorable way. So I don't want to discount these anecdotes. Remember, anecdotes are important. 
because it's your real lived experience. But I do want to explain maybe where this could be coming from so that you understand what decisions you're making and why. So the heavy lifting culture, the gym culture is often, not always, pretty extreme. It it can be, often is. The no pain, no gain, you know, there's lots of structure, never missing a workout, doing hit, long workouts, heavy lifts, grunting, waking up at 5 a.m. to do your 90-minute workout, stressing about eating enough. Often this routine works pretty well to gain muscle because at a simplistic level, they're applying things that are important for building muscle, right? They're challenging their muscles and they're eating enough protein. But a common side effect of this type of lifestyle is burnout. And many times these extreme behaviors lead to problems with you know, fatigue, uh, maybe hunger is increasing, maybe overall activity decreases because you feel just depleted and worn down, or maybe you, you're accumulating some joint pain. Sleep may suffer. All of these things can accumulate and change behavior. So someone might move less because they feel depleted. So they might move less outside of their workout, which as I pointed out earlier, is probably more important than the workout itself as far as your overall expenditure and keeping an active lifestyle. This person might eat more unintentionally because they're starving all the time. They might sleep less and might not recover as well because they feel icky and kind of cranky and tired. And these lifestyle habits can sometimes result in a bulkier aesthetic because you are potentially moving less overall and eating more. So you're gaining fat on top of the muscle that you're building from your training. That bulky appearance is 100% subjective, by the way. And gaining fat mass with muscle mass is not always a bad or negative thing. So, and I also don't want to say that if you go lift heavy weights, you're going to get bulky. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that often these lifestyle behaviors are paired with this type of exercise routine or culture, should I say. And then we have the opposite side of the spectrum with the Pilates girly lifestyle. And this lifestyle is the opposite in many ways. Maybe, you know, sleeping in, shorter workouts, not breaking a sweat in your Pilates session, walking, listening to your body, journaling, nothing to the extreme, not overstressing yourself. Basically, it's the opposite of the no pain, no gain, gym bro mentality. And this may cause certain shifts in behaviors as well. You might feel more energetic and your joints might feel better because your body doesn't feel depleted and broken down. This could potentially lead to more activity throughout your day, higher energy levels, better sleep. This may affect appetite. Maybe you don't feel starving all the time because your body doesn't feel like it's on E, leading you to unintentionally adjust eating habits. It may have an effect on overall stress, leading you to feel more balanced and at ease. All of these things can change the physical aesthetic of your body leading to this kind of leaner, more toned physique. But it's not necessarily because of the Pilates, but it's because of the lifestyle changes that you've adopted that come often alongside with Pilates. And this type of lifestyle change combined with loading muscles differently may also have effect effects on lean mass. If you're coming from a program where you're loading muscles close to failure and you switch to high rep only training, you may start to lose some muscle. Remember, because that high rep training likely isn't enough to build muscle mass. So you might lose lean mass. Not again, not always, not always, but it's common to lose lean mass. 
And then this makes your overall body size smaller. So often it gives the illusion of toning or getting smaller or pant sizes, you know, going down when in reality you're losing muscle, you're losing fat because of lifestyle changes and you're just shrinking your body overall. It's not necessarily the Pilates alone that's doing that. It's the combination of losing muscle from the difference in choice of exercise on top of the lifestyle changes. Now, again, this is not always what happens to every single person. And I'm not saying one lifestyle is bad and one lifestyle is good. Both of these work for many people. I'm also not saying that you will inevitably adopt either of these lifestyles by choosing one workout over another. However, I do think that what is missing in the fitness world is a realistic but effective sweet spot where you have more of a gentle approach and like a Pilates-esque lifestyle so you feel better and you're able to maintain lifestyle decisions that support your overall health, yet you're continuing to build muscle through progressive overload. Because I will say most Pilates methods, most Pilates methods are not enough mechanical load to build significant amounts of lean mass. Now, Nothing is going to tone your body without the proper dietary changes, but there are a million different exercises you could choose from that will be effective at building muscle. As long as you're taking that lift close to failure in about 30 reps or less, as long as you're eating enough protein, and as long as you have enough volume for each muscle group, I like to say at least four sets per muscle group per week, all the way up to you know 10 plus sets per muscle group per week, you're going to build muscle. If we assume that you're doing that, then there are lots of combinations of exercise choices that will work. So let's go over a few. Number one is both compound exercises. So think like squats, deadlifts, overhead presses, both compound exercises and quote unquote isolated lifts. So think like bicep curls, um, shoulder work, arm work, whatever. Both of those types of exercise choices work. If someone says that one is more effective than the other, that just is is not true. Muscles know the force that they have to produce to complete the movement. Your quads, let's say you're doing a compound lift, let's say you're doing a squat. Your quads don't know what your back is doing, right? Your quads just know they need to do their job of extending the knee in order to move you out of that position. They don't know that your back is also working. So you could do a more isolated lift for the quad and still see the same gains as long as you're taking that exercise close to failure. So the whole, like you have to do compound exercises to build muscle just is not true. Number two, machines and free weights are equally as effective. There was just a study that was released. I'll put it in the show notes that debunked that, um, one is better than the other. They're both equally effective. So don't let someone tell you that free weights are superior or machines are superior for muscle growth. Again, it's all about getting close to muscular failure. And then number three, Pilates type movements. So some Pilates type movements and heavy barbells can both work to build muscle. Again, barring some of the things that we talked about, about approaching muscular failure, both of those types of movements can work. So don't let someone tell you that one is always superior to the other. So all of this can work, but the question is, what is the best choice for you? Here's the thing. You're going to see the best results from an exercise modality that feels good on your body and that supports the lifestyle that you can maintain that will help you reach your goals. 
you're going to see people in either camp that swear that they've made the right choice. But you'll also see an equal number of people who have switched over to the opposite camp and now swear by that, that that works better. So we're going to see opinions from all sides of this in every which way. But in my, I think, probably biased opinion here, there's a middle ground where most people will thrive. I think we should be choosing exercises that load muscles effectively and using some of the research that a lot of the heavy lifting camp pulls from, which is absolutely true, right? You got to challenge your muscles, but then adopting more of that kind of Pilates-esque mindset where you're taking care of your body, you're listening to your body, and you're taking care of your joints. I think this is the best of both worlds because you will have the effectiveness in your routine, right? Applying progressive overload, loading muscles sufficiently, and yet you won't feel so depleted and worn down because you are applying gentle consistency. You're not worried about hitting a PR every single session. You're backing off when you're feeling sick or stressed. Um, you are choosing exercises that don't hurt your body and that are more joint friendly. And so outside of your workout, you're able to adopt this lifestyle where you probably can feel like you have more space in your day to move more because your body doesn't feel depleted and completely drained of energy. You maybe don't feel starving all the time. You feel like your appetite is more regulated again because you don't feel like you're on E. So all of these things can accumulate into creating and inching you towards a sustainable lifestyle that is also healthy and helps you to build muscle, build bone density, and help keep you healthy as you age. So to wrap all of this up, heavy lifts don't necessarily bulk you, and Pilates doesn't tone you. Understanding what's actually happening and choosing a workout that allows you to have the lifestyle to support your goals is I think the most important part. And I think we do that really well in Evlo. I mean, I really do think that what's missing in the fitness world is this gray space where a lot of people resonate with. A lot of people don't have time to go to the gym and lift for 90 minutes, or they don't want to do that because they feel depleted. I know that's how I felt. I was stuck in this place where gentler workouts felt better on my body, but I knew that I needed the weights. But heavy barbell squats did not feel good for my body. They still don't to this day. They don't feel great on my back. And the heavy overhead presses never felt good. The gym bro lifestyle always kind of felt like it clashed with me. And yet I wanted to have the health benefits of that type of routine. So that's why I developed Evlo so that we could have kind of the best of both worlds, choose exercises that are mechanically loading muscles that are based in research, and yet pair that with the lifestyle of a more gentle approach, taking care of your body, using breath work, using mobility, not depleting yourself, not doing super long, extreme workouts. So if you want to join Evlo, this is really exciting on January 1st, I'm sorry, December 31st and January 1st. So two days only, we are extending our free trial to 30 days. So starting at the beginning of the year, starting at the beginning of 2024, you can try Evlo for 30 days. Now, if you're listening to this after that date, this will be expired and no longer apply to you. But if you're listening before, mark your calendars for December 31st and January 1st. We've just developed a new app and we are so excited about it. It integrates music. It gives you a customized homepage. So when you log in, you'll get asked a series of questions. If you're brand new to Evlo, it will send you to foundations. If you're not brand new to Evlo, you can skip foundations and it'll put you in a track. 
Um, you can check off the workouts you've completed. It gives you progress towards your next reset week. We have really easy to consume nutrition guides that were built by registered dietitians to help you build food plans. And for you members, we are adding something really fun on January 1st. So get excited. So I'll put a link for our email list in the show notes. If you want to sign up for our email list, you can get alerted when this goes live because we're not going to extend this. So if you miss it, you miss it. There's no exceptions. Two days only, December 31st and January 1st. Even if you've joined the membership in the past, we are letting you try it again because our new platform we think is totally different than our old platform. The classes are the same. The methodology is the same. The teachers are the same, but the tech is different. And we hope that the tech will help you get even more excited about taking your workouts. We think the music integration was a big thing that we got a ton of feedback on. And it was something that we struggled with with a lot for a long time of how do we put music over the video in a legal way without paying a ton and ton for royalty um, fees, which can get, um, get too expensive, prohibitively expensive. So we, we have music on the, on the video now, and we're just really excited about it. So we want you to try it again. Um, drop your email in the link below and we'll send you alerts when it goes live. All right, everyone hope this was helpful and informative. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.